The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, April 13th. Frank Stanfield joined by the Welsh and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of Wednesday's action. How did the prospects do in their debuts? Team name Thursday. That's right. I just keep pushing it off. I, I think mm. I have a pretty good feeling that we'll get to team it. name Friday. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's just keep talking, and we'll just you know before you know it, we'll just get back to team name Tuesday anyway. Uh, before we get going, make sure to like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five star rating. It really helps, and we appreciate it. We're recording this obviously on uh, Wednesday night, technically. You know, really, really early Thursday morning. <laughs> Last week, we had the Welsh on Grayson Rodriguez's debut. This week, we have the Welsh on Taj Bradley's debut. I like the, I like the sound of this. I, like the I can't really whistle really out. well. I was trying to do my, uh, my Pied Piper of prospects as I tweeted out, Come ye prospects, come and join me for Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesdays. <laughs> Best it's a it's a much better visual for those watching. On it's YouTube. a much better visual than what you guys just heard. So apologies. Uh, all right, so we'll get to Todd Bradley a little bit later on, but uh, let's jump in. Oh my goodness gracious, players of the night. Oh my good goodness gracious. At a girl, Susan and Towers. We'll start with you, bud. Yeah, let's get the Jared Kelnick discussion kicked off. He hit. One of the most impressive home runs I can remember seeing. I've, I've never seen someone hit a home run to that like second deck of seats in center field at Wrigley field until Jared, Jared Kalnick did that today, 482 feet, the second longest home run anyone has hit this season. He's now got three straight games of the home run. It's a fun thing to think about what his line looked like four days ago. I think he was slugging 400. Now he's slugging like almost 600, if not higher. We're at that point in the season. Jared Kalnick, 68% rostered in CBS Fantasy Leagues. I think that should be 100%. But, you know, someone immediately after that home run asked me on Twitter, is Jared Kalnick for real? And I don't know how to answer that question because he is just not playing against lefties. He has three plate appearances against lefties. He has a 450-something on ba- or uh, OPS against lefties in his career. And so when we're talking about like his chances of being a legitimate must-start fantasy player, that's kind of the thing that I need to see. I, you know, obviously he'd never really hit anyone before this season, so I don't want to write off the fact that he's crushing right-handed pitching so far. But until he's an everyday player, until he's hitting lefties at a reasonable clip, I, I think there's always going to be a limitation to his game, and and. You know, if offense is going the way it seems like it's going, guys who are part-time players and hit for a lot of power but don't give you counting stats, like, those guys will have limited utility. So, 
I, I think Jared Kalanick is probably a must roster player. I think he's probably a sell high candidate coming off a three homer stretch or a three, three game homer streak. Uh, but I really, really like what we're seeing from him as well. So, do you think, do you think if he's, um, if he is any type of like platooning like you're talking about, do you actually think that really truly limits him though? Because all it's doing, kind of in my mind, a little bit, and I obviously agree, like what he's doing right now is so insane. It's 60% hard hit rate. It's a completely red savant page, which has probably never existed for him. But like, they're putting him in the best positions to succeed, which is going to breed more confidence, which is going to carry over into other spaces and probably give him some opportunities. Like, do you really think if he is hitting primary versus righties, it, it is a like real limitation to where he was before? Because I kind of think, I think he can baseline. Like if you could trade high, that's cool. I don't know who's trade uh, buying high on Jared Kelnick. He's kind of a guy I think maybe you just kind of sit on and ride because I think at the end of the year, even in some of this like lefty righty limitations, he could still be a 20 homer, 10, 15 stolen. But I mean, I think he can still do it, taking away the worst part of his game. So I'm not sure if it's so much a limitation. I think it depends on what level of player we think people are going to value Jared Kalnick as. If yeah. it's as the 42nd best outfielder in fantasy, then I agree. It doesn't really matter if he's going to play every day against lefties because he can probably, if what we've seen is at all for real, then he can, like if he can be a Jesse Winker type against righties, then I, I do think he is someone who could be like one of the 45 best outfielders in fantasy. However, you think about your three team, your, your 12 team, three outfielder leagues, your, Yahoo sized uh, categories leagues or your CBS sports points leagues that probably puts him on the outside looking in. Yeah. Maybe you could put him in your utility spot. Maybe, you know, you can find a spot for him, but I, I think he's probably a pretty fringy starter in that instance. Um, I, I think there's a lot to like here. And if someone views him as say a top 100 type of player right now, I think you try to trade him or even like I'm trying to think of some guys who were being drafted around a hundredth overall. Like if someone offered you Christian Walker for Jared Kalanick, I would do that trade. I, I there's a lot to like about Jared Kalanick. I think he's a very exciting player, but Christian Walker was someone who two weeks ago we thought was clearly better than Jared Kalanick. And I don't know if a three-game stretch where Jared Kalnick's hit a home run is enough to change that for me. I think Carlos Correa is another example. Salvador Perez, I think you might be able to do that for, you know, guys who are off to slow starts, but I don't really have concerns about, you know, less so someone like, I don't know, if someone offered me Christian Yelich for Jared Kalnick, I think I would take it, but that's a little iffier just because there are questions about Yelich, but... I don't really have a question about Salvador Perez. You know, I think he's going to be fine. If I could move Kalnick and something for Salvador Perez, I would do that. See, that's interesting because I think there's this like space that exists sometimes with fantasy players where, you know, their performance based on market value just can't equal up. And there's really not going to be a point where they equal up that they just sit in limbo. Like um, I actually kind of think on a higher scale, Jeffrey Springs lives in that space where it's like, what he is doing for you doesn't equate to what anyone will give up. So it's just limbo again. Like you just should hold and you should just ride the wave. And that's in a much bigger positive way. I kind of think Kelnick is in that same space because I think we live in like a, what if you brought it like Walker was like a super fascinating one that you brought up, but I think it still might lack kind of some of the upside that people are starting to see with this lottery ticket that they got that I still don't know if it matches up, but I think that's like a really logical trade that you could make to try to take advantage of what Jared Kelnick's doing, because if he is, you know, limitations hitting against righties going to at some point have some actual struggles, probably not going to have a 60% hard hit rate the whole year. Uh, it's going to come back down and you would probably be regretting not taking a 35 plus home run hitter uh, in Christian Walker. And still has not, I mean, he's only got three home runs. All of them have been off, been off fastballs. I think last year, all but one of his home runs came off fastballs for his career. It's something like 80% of his home runs have come off fastballs. So he still hasn't, fix that biggest issue yet whiff rate on both breaking and off speed pitches over 40%. So I just, I think he's a very interesting player. I'm excited about what we're seeing for sure. Um, but I think there are clearly limitations as well.
Yep, and that is Jared Kelnick that we're talking about. 71% rostered. I do agree in shallower three outfielder leagues. I think he's still a must-add just to see where it goes. But yeah, yeah I think that there is a clear you know, ceiling on what he could do counting stats-wise if he's only playing against right-handed pitching. But you guys are talking about the splits and, and everything. It, it kind of reminded me of Jock Peterson from last year. He only played against right-handed pitching, but he was amazing mm-hmm. last year. So, I don't yeah. know. Can we get an outcome like that with like 10 to 15 steals? Maybe, if everything works out for Jared Kelnick. Uh, again, he's up to 71% rostered. The other outfielders that I had as ads from what they did on Wednesday, Jorge Soler, we spoke about him last week, too, but he's only 49% rostered, so he's still out there. Uh, Jerks and Profar, he's starting to get going now. has six hits, two home runs over his last five games. And Lourdes Gurriel had his little breakout game with Arizona, went three for five with his first home run. He's been hitting in the middle of that lineup, though he did sit two of the last four games, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, are you guys taking Kelnick over all those names? Solaire, Profar, Gurriel? Uh, Solaire's a really interesting one because my initial thought was, well... Solaire's maybe a more sure thing, but Kellen's got more upside. But like Solaire is a guy we saw hit 48 home runs back in 2019. Now that was the peak of the juice ball era. He hit what 27 in 2021. I think Kellenick probably has more upside because of the speed, but like if we get to the end of the season and Jorge Solaire has 36 home runs, I wouldn't be surprised. He's hitting the ball really, really well right now. He's making enough contact. I wouldn't, if Kelnick and Solaire were both out there on the wire, I wouldn't pick up Solaire ahead of Kelnick. But my sense is that Solaire will be the more useful player, at least in the short term. He's doing what he needs to do. I think he's top 10 in like barrels per plate appearance already mm-hmm. off the season. Big hard hit stuff. Yeah, I think it's tough. Definitely over pro far. Um, who was the third one? Who was the third one you threw uh, out? Guriel. I love Guriel when he's hitting three in the lineup, but that lineup is turning over a whole lot more. There's a lot of flexibility, a lot of playing time. I don't know. I think from a speculative standpoint, Kelnick over all those guys. But Mm -hmm. I think from a stability standpoint, everybody but Profar is probably safer for what you know you're getting into. And in a points league, I think I'd take Profar ahead of Kelnick. Just at the top of the lineup. He's he's, Yeah, top of the lineup. He's an OBP guy. Uh, He'll just, I think, have more opportunities all right well oh my goodness gracious for you welsh who do you have oh my it was dre day we're going to talk about dre who got to get the start the not spot start you know taking in this spot of the rotation for zach davies shocker i'm talking about a diamondback here but it's not the guy that's on my wall or anything like that (laughs) it's dre who little bit of a surprise to people only had 54 pitches in the game which was less than ideal but he was great in it. I think he gave up only three hits, had some strikeouts. And one of the things we saw was we saw this continued mixed usage of his slider. And the slider, though it was less than I wanted it to be, because in that one replacement start he had for Bumgarner, I think at the beginning of the year, it was like 39 to 40%, something like that slider mm-hmm. usage. 24% tonight, but... In that usage, a 75% whiff rate on that slider. Six of eight swings were whiffs, and he was able to set everything up with the sinker and the uh, the four seam through a little bit of a changeup. The pitch mix was great. Four pitches at 10 plus percent to keep guys off track. And he was able to go four, give up no earned runs, three hits, and 50-something pitches. Once he stretched out, because a couple of people were panicking about that, once Dre Jamison is actually stretched out, I actually thought, I know we're going to talk about one of the rookies that had a really great performance today, but Dre Jamison, this performance, I think, is a uh, a baseline piece for you to see what the rest of the year is going to look like because he wasn't wild. He was effective. The pitch mix was good. They know how to pitch him, and that slider sets up everything a la what changed with Hunter Green, and I think that's like a big change that's happening here. So once he stretched out, I don't think he's giving up this job anytime soon. And there's big strikeout potential on him. I thought it was pretty impressive. It was a great Dre day, guys. Yes. And his previous relief appearance, he only threw 26 pitches. So he was right around double that in this outing. And I think that's, you know, I think that's by design. And I think next time out, maybe we see him go 60 to 70 pitches and then he'll just continue to build from there. I think the no walks here is key for Dre Jameson. Huge. When he struggles, it's, it's usually with control. Uh, I noticed the slider, while it was amazing, the velocity was up 2.3 miles per hour compared to earlier appearances this year. So he's throwing it harder, and it looked amazing in this outing. 
couple of waiver wire pitchers that I had him uh, compared up against here who pitched on Wednesday. Tyler McGill looked decent against the Padres. Edward Cabrera only walked one. I mean, that's a win. Mm. That's a win in my book. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez turned in a quality start at the Toronto Blue Jays. No easy task there. Who else would you take Dre over those other three names? McGill, Edward Cabrera, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Those are all tough names, and it's tough for me. It's a bad question for me because there's obviously people who are going to be like, Homer, Homer. Um, like, Edward Cabrera is fun, but he's too wild. I think he's actually the highest upside of all those players, but he's just too erratic. McGill, that one kind of jumps out to me with the team t- context, but you know what? Diamondbacks first place, first place in yeah. the NL West. They've got offense going left and right. They seem to know how to manage him. They've got one of the most underrated defenses in baseball, the fastest outfield, bar none, with two gold glovers on the infield when Nick Ahmed plays. I'm going to go with Dre, and I know it's kind of a homer play, but I think the upside is there for him to stay in that rotation for the rest of the year, and he's showing better consistency than a guy like Edward Cabrera is. Eduardo Rodriguez is super, again, inconsistent on a bad team context. I really think this might be about McGill versus Dre, and it's uh, you know Dre 2000 for me. Yeah, I actually think it's Cabrera versus Dre. Just, again, looking mm-hmm. for the upside there. I think then it, you drop off a little bit. Then it's McGill, drop off again, and then you get to Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, Towers, who are you taking, Dre Jameson or Edward Cabrera? Uh, I'll go with the homer pick on my side and, and pick <laughs> Edward Cabrera. I, I, I think they're both very close. I think they're both very similar. If they keep the control uh, in control, if they keep the walks under control, uh, I, I think both Edward Cabrera and Dre Jameson can be very good, but... I think there's just a, a little more stuff with Cabrera. I guess I got to break the tie, don't I? You I don't liked, have to. I liked both of these. Guys. Yeah, I'll just I'll just let it go. Let's move on. No, uh, I'll go with Edward Cabrera. It is super uh, close. Boo. I liked both of these guys coming into the year, but uh, finally, uh, a little bit of optimism here for Cabrera. Uh, look, I'd find a, if you have a just a dead he, roster spa- space, I would try to find a way to have both on my he's team. He's a weird pitcher, man. He like most pitchers feel most comfortable throwing their fastball for strikes. And that is not Edward Cabrera at all. That has never been him. He just does not have command of his fastball, especially, uh, you know, actually either the sinker or the four seamer. It's, it's really weird. There was a great piece on baseball prospectus um, about him today that talks about that. And it's just like, man, if he can just figure that out and that should be the easiest thing, he can be really, really good. Yep. Yep. Edward Cabrera, I noticed uh, in that start on Wednesday against the Phillies, he really leaned into his curveball. He threw it 39%. That was only 18% usage entering that start, uh, entering this start. So, uh, and it was a really great pitch. He had five whiffs on it, 44% CSW. So maybe that's the next step in progression for Edward Cabrera is, is throwing that curveball more. Uh, and obviously, we know he has a really good changeup when everything is working. Uh, you know, I'm, there's one name I haven't mentioned as a waiver wire ad yet, and that's Brad Keller. He was my, oh my goodness gracious, player of the night. And yesterday, I said, let's pay a little attention to Brad Keller because he's doing some interesting things so far. And then he went out and he looked really good against the Texas Rangers. Six and two thirds, one run, seven strikeouts to just one walk. He had 11 swinging strikes. He is throwing a new curveball 25% of the time this year, and it was great in the start. Five swinging strikes, 46% CSW. And you might be wondering, why do we keep talking about Royals pitchers, right? What did, what did they do in the offseason? What has changed with this team? And to me, it's they, very they obvious. They found computers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot who it was. There was someone on Twitter Technology. a couple of years ago who made uh, a joke about the Rockies analytics department being like, a, I don't know, just like an old guy on a computer, like Dave Gettleman in football or something like that. But... I imagine it's more like, um, uh, what was his name in Lost? Just continuously every 15 minutes running to put in the code, like four, eight, fifteen. Desmond. Desmond, thank you. He was, he's like Desmond just running in every 15 minutes. And then in that other time or however long it was, he just goes and sits there. I think that's like the analytics team. They're like, oh, we have to have a stat. And he goes in, he's like four, eight, 15. That's the Rockies uh, developmental system. Well, I think it was the Royals before this season as well. They hired a new manager this offseason named Matt Quitrero and... He was the bench coach for the Tampa Bay Rays the previous three years before this. So obviously coming from one of the most analytically inclined franchises in baseball to the Kansas City Royals, which is not. I think that's why we're seeing some of these improvements and new pitches and Mm -hmm. new mechanics from guys like Chris Bubich and Brad Keller. And I kind of want to jump on it early before everyone else kind of figures out and it's too late. And then you miss out on these guys. Look, two weeks from now, 
Brad Keller could get blown up twice and I'd be like, whatever, I look dumb. But on the off chance that I am right about this theory, I kind of want Brad Keller on my team. The question is, we're talking about a bunch of great pickups. So would you take Brad Keller over any of the other pitchers we mentioned? Um, so the other pitchers we mentioned were Edward Cabrera, Dre Jameson, Tyler okay. McGill, and Eduardo Rodriguez. I think I would have Brad Keller towards the bottom of that list, but very similar to McGill and, and Rodriguez. And if you wanted to take a flyer on him instead, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. He's got the, like you said, the new curveball that he hasn't thrown. It's interesting because it's almost exactly the same velocity as his slider, but it's got a, a different movement profile. It doesn't break as much horizontally. And I don't know, that's, that could be a really, really effective approach you know it might make it really hard for hitters to to pick up on him so yeah it's interesting because he was last season i, I believe a slider primary pitcher 36 percent of the time was the slider yeah i don't know i i think brad keller's definitely doing some interesting things it's worth uh worth keeping an eye on and if you've got a roster spot to play with i would absolutely pick him up yeah, I don't think he would jump really any of those guys, but he's in the same territory. Uh, one thing I really like is that it's a continuation of spring going into this year, like those results, and it's just been like this long-standing stretch. Would you have Brett Keller over Chris Bubich? Or is Chris Bubich, I know he's the hot, he's the fab king from this weekend. Everybody loves right. him. Everybody picked him up. He's the new hot thing. But w do you would you rather prioritize, Bubich or Keller? I think I would take Bubich just because he had much more swing and miss in his most recent outing, 19 swinging strikes against the Giants the other day. But I, I think they're both in that same territory. And, you know, I'm interested in both, but I think it's Bubich by a hair for me. Giants also, I want to say a little bit of a misnomer. They're like the number one strikeout team in baseball right now. So, yeah. like, just throwing out like 19. If you want, if everyone wants to always play conversion rates, you know, it's like, oh, well, this guy did this against this team. And, you know, well, the Rays, they played all. The conversion rate is probably like 14 swing and misses towards a normal team because the Giants are at the very top, not to be dismissive, of course. But we have to, we have to be kept honest, Frank. We have to always be kept <laughs> honest about everything that we ever say in it. And let's make sure we have the proper conversion rates. But, uh, Chris, do you feel any different, Bubich or uh, Keller? I would go Bubich over Keller. But I, I think that's an interesting point you, you brought up about the competition that he's faced. And, um, you know, I, I think for me, it's more just I think the changes that Bubis have made might give him a little more stuff, um, you know, and that might just be me holding Keller's rep pre-2023 against him a bit too much, just having the slider. Um, you know, the curveball could really unlock things for him. So I, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, if I'm ranking just those four, it would be Edward Cabrera, Trey Jamison, Bubich, Brad Keller, and then that drop off to like McGill and, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, let's, uh, t oh, I had some deeper league pitchers that I wanted to mention. Griffin Canning made his return to the Angels rotation. First start good. since 2021 after battling various injuries. And yeah, he actually did look good. Again, going up against the Nats, so it's a very good matchup. Five innings, two runs, four strikeouts, so zero walks, 15 swinging strikes on 69 pitches. That is a 22% swinging strike rate. Uh, Ken nice. Waldachuk turned in a quality start at the Baltimore Orioles. I dove a little deeper, and it really wasn't that impressive. Peyton Battenfield made his first career start, and he was okay against the Yankees. Four and two-thirds, two runs. Only one of those was earned. Three strikeouts. 15 swinging strikes on 66 pitches. That is quite a bit there. Uh, well, so it's, you know, 15 teamers, anything deeper than that. People might be looking at some of these names. Um, how would you rank those three? Griffin Canning, Waldachuk, Peyton Battenfield. Uh, you know, Battenfield's really uh, kind of cool because I just saw him a couple weeks ago and I have some video out of Battenfield. I saw him uh, playing against the Dodgers and he was up against uh, Diego Cartaya and Eugenio Diaz and uh, some of that crew. And um, he's definitely got... The classification is always tough because it looked like he was throwing. It was like a harder cutter, um, mm -hmm. but it also I think he manipulates it into kind of a slide. I, uh, what was the you know, I didn't even go and look at the pitch mix of everything of what how it was classified, but it was all classified as a cutter pretty much. Yeah, mostly. Cutter. OK, yep. Yeah, and I think because I think he can vary it a little bit because I think it used to be more of a slider. Yeah, I'm taking a look here um, not to belabor the whole thing. Yeah, it was cutter 48 percent of the time. And they don't have any good velo stuff on it. My whole point of this is it's not his profile. Like, he, it's cool. I don't think there's a um, – not to be dismissive about uh, Taj Bradley because Taj Bradley was really great today. But also, like, the profile on these guys. Battenfield is definitely like a pound-the-zone type of player – 
always low strikeouts compared to innings pitched, uh, pitching to contact and stuff like that, and working a lot off of this cutter. And the cutter was really dominant today. So he's not really... I'm not jumping at the wire for him because this is also like an extreme spot start situation. And, you know, they have Tanner uh, Bybee that's sitting out there as well. Logan Allen showed up on Eno Saris's, uh Stuff Plus. I think it was like number seven overall in AAA start. So they just got so many arms. I say all of this to be like, I think he would be number two. Um, give me the names again. What Can- they? Uh, Canning, Waldachuk, and Pat, uh, Battenfield. Yeah, I would actually go Canning at the top, and yeah. um, and then you know that leaves that out because I was really impressed with Canning. I, he was someone I loved back in the day. the the swing The swing and miss in this game, I think, even though it was the Nationals, Nationals have been a little bit tough, and at the top of their lineup can be tough with guys like Luis Garcia. Uh, I'm not going to dismiss it just because it was the Nationals, but that would be my order. Mm-hmm. Uh, Towers, any thoughts on on those three? Mm, I have the exact same order. I think um, you know the fact that the slider was effective for Canning in the first start back. That's always been the key for him. It's a really good pitch when he's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, he's definitely below the the other guys we've talked about, but in a in a deeper league, certainly worth p- picking up. Uh, I meant to bring this up earlier for oh my goodness gracious, but shout out to Max Muncie. I mean, a two double dongs in one series against the Giants. He just absolutely owns them. Uh, apologies to Giants fans out there. I know you're going to tweet, oh, blah, blah, blah. but uh, Max Muncie, yes. And uh, shout out to Papa Ev or Papa EV, if that stands for Exit Velocity on Twitter. He gave me permission to use Maximum Muncie as his nickname, which, mm. look, the way he's playing. Well, I mean, right now, what about Maximus Muncie mm, picking ooh. off the building off the uh, Gladiator talk from yesterday? Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, you missed a, a whole bunch, Welsh. We'll, we'll fill you in. We're, let's take a break. I, I read the the plot <laughs> synopsis of the leaked Gladiator 2 script for them yesterday. It's wild stuff. Go check it out. That was post-podcast, and yes, it was very wild. I don't know if we would have been able to actually read it on the podcast. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty out there. <laughs> let's take a break, and when we return, we'll uh, get into Taj Bradley's debut here on Fantasy Baseball Today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. CBS Sports, Golazzo Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer. Coverage is now streaming on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. CBS Sports' Golazzo Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game. Let's get into the Tampa Bay Rays. They are off and running as hot as can be, 12 in a row for Tampa. And let's talk about the pitchers in that game. Taj Bradley had a successful debut up against the Red Sox. Five innings, three runs, eight strikeouts to one walk, nine swinging strikes on 78 pitches. And I'm frankly, I'm a little surprised they let him throw 78 pitches because... Is uh, he hasn't thrown more than 55 in any outing this year in the minors. It was only two. But we were looking at a three-pitch mix here. 54% four-seam fastball, 29% cutter, 14% curveball. He averaged 95.8 miles per hour on the fastball, so was throwing very hard. Got hit around a little bit his final inning of work, but up until that point, the guy looked basically untouchable. Welsh, thoughts on Taj Bradley? He's 38% rostered. Where does he fit in with that group? J- Dre Jameson and who was the other one? Edward Cabrera. Edward Cabrera. Where does he fit into that Boobich group? Boobich and Boobich. I yeah. think that's actually a really fast. I had a lot of people asking, should I drop Boobich for Taj Bradley? And it was like, 
the total like Twitter question of fantasy baseball. Everyone's like, oh, drop all the fab on Boobich, Boobich. And then as soon as there's anything else exciting, like, should I drop him for Taj Bradley? I I don't feel like I'm getting anything right because I was actually just talking negative about not thinking that the Rays could bring him up. And then all of a sudden they brought him up. Um, I think what's clearly in our face is that like Eflin's going to come back. They've still got Fleming glass. Now is going to come back. So I still look at a Rays team that doesn't get crazy hyper aggressive and wonder like, what will they do? I think it was a good start. Uh, he did kind of fall apart at the end a little bit. I don't think there was a great book on everybody being able to figure him out. His fastball, I thought, got a few maybe swing throughs that maybe won't uh, long term. But he also pounds his own. He's a command guy. And his curveball is great. His curveball is a yep. great table setter that is going to throw guys off. And this is a guy like I love Taj Bradley. He's a top 10 fantasy prospect on my prospect list. And you could see a lot of the reasons for it. I just don't know if the team would make that full commitment. So getting back to your question, like there is upside and I don't want to be dismissive because I was like, oh, they're not going to bring him up. And all of a sudden he's up. So I don't want to be like they can't keep him in the rotation. I would still go Dre at the top. And then, you know, Edward Cabrera and him, I think are really tough. I'd probably go Edward Cabrera because I think that's safer. And then maybe from an upside perspective, I would go, I think Taj lives with the rest of the guys. You kind of know Brad Keller. You kind of know what you got on Bubich. And then you sit here and you look and you go, okay, well, Taj Bradley, if he were to stick, the fantasy upside is great. The strikeouts were there. That curveball, I think, is going to induce a whole lot more. And that curveball in itself, if he throws it a bit more, well, the cutter, it's going to set up the fastball to get some of those big fastball strikeouts that we love to see with some guys like Spencer Strider does it a lot. So yeah, I would go with him as that next tier after the top two guys. I was super impressed by that curveball as well because everything that I've heard is big fastball, big cutter, and even the Tampa Bay Rays broadcast when I was watching the game, they were surprised by how much a, he was throwing the curveball and how good that pitch looked for Taj Bradley. So he's 38% rostered. The biggest question right now, is he going to stick around? And we just don't know the answer. I mean, they said Zach Eflin is out for, it looks like it's going to be two starts, but they've had this combination of like Jalen Beeks and Josh Fleming throwing where, you know, he could, Taj Bradley could easily go into that spot in the rotation, but then Tyler Glass now is going to be back at some point too. So there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of moving parts here. I'm I'm interested. I think there's a lot of upside, but I don't think that I would take him over Dre, Edward Cabrera, or the Royals guys right now. Chris Towers, what do you think? Uh, I think I probably agree with that. If you wanted to take him over Brad Keller, I, I think it's fine. Just to, I think you could be chasing upside there. But yeah, I I think all of the reasons why we've historically been a little lower on raised prospects and raised pitchers in particular, especially the guys who aren't completely proven, I think apply to him. So it's unlikely you're going to see a lot of seven inning starts. It's unlikely you're going to see a lot of six inning starts here, even if he does stick in the rotation. I think he's a very good pitcher. It's so hard now because like he had a 26% strikeout rate in the minors in AAA last season. And it's like, well, that's or no, that was between AA and AAA. And it's like, well, that's pretty good. But it's not elite anymore for a top prospect, which is wild because he's striking out a quarter of batters. His swing and whiff was 26%, by the way, I want to throw out. The, the thing I'd point out with him, and I didn't mean to like jump into what no, you're yeah. talking about, is also like the called strikes. You know, his CSW was like 35%, mm-hmm. which was really great. And this is like a command guy. So the pitch mix of keeping guys off of what he's going to throw, and I think that curveball, which throws all the equilibrium off, is going to allow him to like lock into more called strikes. So you, I think, Charles, you said it best to everybody. It's like, you got to figure out like, are you chasing upside or are you trying mm-hmm. to play for maybe a little bit more of like a long-term safer bet? And that's where like the differences between Bubich to Taj Bradley, maybe even Edward Cabrera and stuff like that come into play. Mm-hmm. On the other side of this start, <laughs> I guess arguably the biggest news of the day, right? And people are freaking out on Twitter and asking me all these kind of questions. What do I do with Chris sale? Who was clobbered once again at Tampa Bay, four innings pitched six runs allowed five of those earned did have six strikeouts to two walks, eight swinging strikes on 81 pitches. He went slider heavy in this one. He's throwing his sinker more than ever before this year. And speaking of the sinker, both of his fastballs, the four seam and the sinker, they are getting clobbered right now. If you look at the batting average against, the slugging against entering the start, and then the amount of hard contact he gave up on those pitches on Wednesday, it is really, really bad. And I think that's part of the main issue for Chris Sale right now. And maybe we were just overly optimistic coming into this season. I mean, it's too early to say that for sure because he's only made three starts. 
but he has made 14 total starts over the past three years. At maybe we just put too much on his plate, and we were expecting too much of like not vintage Chris Sale, but close to vintage Chris Sale, and maybe we were just expecting too much too soon. Uh, Chris Towers, what do you think about Chris Sale, and would you be looking to buy low right now? Uh, he's terrible right now. He's not doing anything. He's missing his spots by a foot and a half, seemingly on every pitch. He's he he looks like a guy who's made fourteen starts in the last three seasons. Um, I would be trying to buy low, but I can't say with any amount of confidence right now that Chris Sale's just going to be fine. I think he will be. I have faith that you know his his track record and and the fact that like. The velocity's okay. It's not great, but it's fine. Like I, I have enough faith that he'll figure it out before long. But it's it's blind faith for sure. the The quality of contact metrics are disastrous right now. He's missing his spots. Like I said, he's not really generating the kind of swings and misses that we want to see. So I just I can't give you anything specific to say, hey, Chris Sale is going to be just fine. It's just that I believe he will be. And that's it's up to you whether you have faith. When I was thinking about it, that was exactly how I how I thought about it as well, Chris. It's just he's the ultimate wild card right now. We just don't know. There isn't enough of a recent track record. We know what Chris Hale used to be. We I, we just don't think he's going to get back to that. But can he get back to eighty percent of that? That's the question. And right now, we frankly just don't know. So if you if mm-hmm. you think that will happen, then yes, you should be go out. You, got, you should go out and buy. Him, on Chris Hale. But so, you got to bench him. I mean, there's no way you can start him right well, now. You need to see a, a couple of good starts from him before you can I was, you can trust it. I was going to say, he's 60% started in CBS. Next week, he's in line for two starts, the Angels and the Brewers. No, I, I don't think you can start him, even in two-star week. Maybe in a points league, but not in a in a roto league. He's done too much damage to your ratios now to uh, to be just to be able to justify starting him. All right, let's move over to another pitching matchup that was actually very fun. I mean, even on paper coming in, two of the hardest throwers. I mean, they're like kind of mirror images of each other, but not really. Hunter Green going up against Spencer Strider. And Hunter Green actually outpitched Strider in this one. Six innings, three runs, 10 strikeouts to zero walks, 21 swinging strikes for Hunter Green. Spencer Strider on the other side, five innings, three runs, nine strikeouts, 23 swinging strikes. Two pitchers in the same game, 21-plus swinging strikes. Just absolutely amazing stuff. The big key here is the control for Hunter Green. It's, you know, zero starts. That's everything for him. Uh, Welsh, what did you see here? Any thoughts on these two? Uh, Hunter Green, Spencer Strider. Yeah, it was interesting, too, uh, if anybody plays into the betting market. Um, it was really high strikeout number because it was against the Reds. It was nine and a half, and I actually uh, I played the under on it, and he got up to nine, as, a, as Spencer Strider did. Uh yeah, I mean, I thought this was like kind of quintessential both sides. You know, I've watched every single one because I've had some piece of Strider. I've got him in multiple fantasy leagues, but also I tend to play any bet I can with Strider up or down. And he's definitely, he's been a little bit wonkier. Like he is an overpowering pitcher, but some of that mix gets a little bit lost from him. And he's just kind of like stacking up. Um, he's stacking up innings. I think he was like 31 pitches through one, I think through the first inning today. And it's been, it looks like it's really difficult for him to get through games, but overall, I mean, you know, Spencer Strider for better, for worse, you just write it out and you feel great with it. I'm always continuously very interested in uh, what Hunter Green is doing. And did you just say this? Did you see too, that Hunter Green had, a 17% undefined pitch use here. That Same with, there seemed to be something going on with the StatCast data in that one because I believe Spencer Strider had a similar, it must have been just like one inning, someone tripped over a cable or something because yeah, it just, it didn't track those pitches for, for both of them. The same yeah, thing. The same thing is. happened the other day for Graham Ashcraft. He had undefined yeah. pitches, and it was in Atlanta. So something. Yeah, going I was. Because I, I was wondering. I was. I wasn't watching the game, so I tweeted out a picture of Hunter Green's pitch pitch data, and just wondering if, like, maybe those were changeups that got misclassified. Now he only threw four changeups, or at least from what people were saying when they were watching, it didn't look like he was throwing a lot of changeups. Okay. Well, let's hit some news and notes before we get to another break. Uh, we knew it was likely Corey Seager would miss time. And it turns out it's a grade two hamstring strain. He'll miss a minimum of four weeks. Just absolutely brutal blow at the shortstop position right now. Uh, Josh Smith started at shortstop Wednesday, was batting second for the Texas Rangers. 
a name to watch in deeper leagues. If he's going to bet that high in the order, just let's see what Josh Smith can do. Uh, Towers, did you receive any tweets about Byron Buxton on Wednesday after we had a scare? Uh, yeah, I mean, people did the, oh, he can't stay healthy. And it's like, yeah, he got, he ran into someone on the base path. So I don't, I don't know yeah. if like some people make their own bad luck, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I was wondering what the mentions were, were looking yeah. like following that. Uh, yeah, crashed into the ground, a collision at second base. Seems to have avoided any serious injury, thankfully, there for uh, Byron Buxton. Apparently, Bryce Harper is preparing to play first base this season, which will be fun for his position eligibility next year, assuming he's 100% healthy. Uh, it sounds it does like not he- change his timetable. No. Notably, but makes it more likely he'll play in the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this season. sounds like he's targeting a late May, early June return. That's the latest on Bryce Harper. Justin Verlander is expected to begin throwing off a mound this weekend and is scheduled to make at least one minor league rehab start before being activated off the IL. Joe Musgrove could make his next rehab start as soon as Friday. We got news the other day that he needed a cortisone shot in his shoulder after taking a fall. It's like a diving play in the field in a recent rehab start. So we've got the fractured toe. And we've got a cortisone shot in the shoulder. Don't love it. Don't love it for Joe Musgrove. I'll tell you, one thing I just want to add with him, I'm very excited to see what it ends up like showing up when we can have like baseball savant and uh, metrics on it. But the the rehab start he did right before the end of spring training that I was at was the first time he had thrown. And I, I think I might have mentioned it here. I just don't remember. But in the dugout, I was standing right next to the dugout and I heard him talking to someone about a new change of grip and he loved it. And he was talking about, he's like, it felt good because he was just popping strikes up there left and right. And he really, really was comfortable with this change of grip and he was kind of ooing and aahing about it. So just as like a little thing to throw out there, something we could pay attention to is to see how effective that is and how effective he is off of his first start and watch that change up. Love it. Love it. Let's see. Lars Newbar will begin a rehab assignment on Thursday. He's down to 79% rostered on CBS. So just go check to see if somebody dropped him in uh, shallower leagues out there, 10, 12 team leagues. What's that? Uh, you picked up Orlando Arcia to replace one of your injured shortstops? Well, he left Wednesday's game after getting hit by a pitch on his right wrist. Thankfully, x-rays came back negative. We'll see what happens the next couple of days. Yandy Diaz also left after being hit by a pitch on the right arm. Masataka Yoshida out of the lineup with a sore right hamstring, but is expected back on Friday. DJ LeMahieu was out of the lineup with quad tightness. Anthony Volpe let off, and as a result, he went uh, one for four with a double. I think he had that double in the first inning and then just did nothing after that. Kyle Bradish is set to make a rehab start at AA on Friday, and it sounds like he could return next week. Only 24% rostered. He's got some upside for those in deeper leagues if you want to take a shot on Bradish. Brutal news for Kyle Farmer. He needs dental surgery to realign his teeth after getting hit in the face by a pitch. Just yeah. really, really rough luck there. Honestly, lucky it wasn't worse. Seriously. I think that was the that was the takeaway from pretty much everyone around the Twins. It's just like shocked it wasn't more serious than that. Yep. Kyle Garlick is expected to join the Twins as a result. Derek Hall is expected to be sidelined two months after following uh, surgery on his right thumb. Herman Marquez was placed on the IL with a right forearm strain. Nolan Jones was recalled from AAA and was off to a hot start. He was batting 359 with six homers in the minors. Another name just to watch in deeper league, see if he gets some playing time with the Rockies. Jesse Winker has missed three straight due to an illness. Ellie Harris Montero has missed two straight with a left hand issue. Randall Grichuk is apparently two to three weeks away from returning and is 14% rostered. Again, five outfielder leagues. When he returns, you know he's going to play for the Rockies. Matt Manning placed on the IL with a fracture in his right foot. And it sounds like Michael Lorenzen will return to the Tigers rotation this weekend to replace him. JT Brubaker underwent Tommy John surgery on Wednesday and some prospect news. Nationals outfield prospect uh, Robert Hassel is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment at single A and he's missed some time with a wrist issue. Andrew Painter is scheduled to play catch out to 60 feet on Friday and the Phillies are clearly being cautious following Painter's uh, UCL sprain from spring training and hopefully it all works out and you know we see him at some point this season. Uh, let's take our final break, and when we get back, we'll get into uh, the other action from Wednesday here on Fantasy Baseball Today. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back, and I missed a few waiver wire ads earlier. Some deeper league outfielders. TJ Friedel went three for four with a run and an RBI. He is batting 350 early on this season, but is not making much hard contact. 19% rostered. Chaz McCormick, two for four with a walk, his fourth stolen base, and two runs scored. He has let off five straight games for the Astros, which is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, the top half of that lineup is pretty good. The bottom half, uh, not so much, but hey. Whoever's I leading. love him, by yeah. the way. I love like I don't know what his ownership is right now. I'd be curious to know, 20, but I think twenty nine percent. I think that's crazy, criminally underrated. They like they did this last year with Jeremy Pena, where they oohed and awed about how Jeremy Pena could be the leadoff guy. They love McCormick, and they've given him the green light. And a lot of the broadcast very early on in the year was talking about how McCormick now has the green light, and he's not as fast as he is, just like a really good base runner. And uh, I think he is sneaky, sneaky good. And I like TJ Friedel in there, but like Chaz McCormick, I don't want to call him the must must pickup, but I think he should be way more owned than twenty nine percent or under thirty percent. Okay, so any five outfielder leagues absolutely should go out there and get Chaz McCormick. Franchi Cordero went one for four with a home run, has now homered in four of his last five games with the Yankees. Looks like he's only starting against right-handed pitching for now. He's got six games next week, but three lefties on the schedule. If you're playing a deeper daily lineup league, I think he's kind of interesting because whenever there's a righty on the schedule, just kind of throw Franchi Cordero in there. But uh, Towers, at the same time, I don't want to chase what's already happened, like... I don't know how many more home runs Frenchie Cordero is going to hit, but it just kind of has this like Matt Carpenter vibe from last year where like, you know, he got a shot and he ran with it, you know? Yeah, a little bit. I, he's always had the physical tools and, and maybe this is just him establishing a new baseline, but like he had 275 plate appearances last season. He had eight home runs. So I don't want to overreact to a handful of home runs early going. I don't know that. I've just never believed in Franchi Cordero when a lot of people have been interested in him. So I maybe that's just my bias and I can't get past it. But I just I, I don't think there's I just don't think the the all around skill set is there, I guess. All right. Frank, you're not going to put Willie Calhoun on there? Uh, put, uh, your boy Willie? Well, that's the problem with Franchi right now. He's, he's <laughs> taking some time away from my guy, Willie Calhoun. We had an RBI single the other day, by the way. I will I point that out. I uh, thought of you. He does anything. He just breathes. I'm like, oh, where's Frank? Where's Frank? Where's he? Dude, at? I have a group chat with my friends where anytime he does anything, I just text it immediately and they get so annoyed. So I love I'm, it. I'm just going to keep it keep it rolling. Some middle infielders that could be out there. Uh, Nolan Gorman. I feel like he's mostly added already. He's 73% rostered, but he went one for four with his fourth home run. He's got six games next week. One lefty on the schedule. These other names are more widely available. Uh, Josh Rojas off to a nice start. He went three for four with two doubles, two runs, and an RBI. He has three hits in three of his last five games and has started five straight. One of those was against a lefty for the Diamondbacks. He is 57% rostered. Bryson Stott had two more hits and his third steal while leading off, nonetheless, against Edward Cabrera. He's batting 420 early on, and uh, I, of course, why wouldn't I, had some Phillies fans yelling at me on Twitter because we dismissed Stott too quickly on yesterday's podcast. So I'll bring him up once again. Maybe your opinion mm. has changed one day later. Uh, Edward Julian, finally, he made his debut, and we're finally talking about him. Uh, he batted eighth in the lineup for the Twins. He went 0 for 2 with a walk. He is widely available. I'll pull up what his uh, roster rate is on CBS. It is 23%. Um, Chris Welsh, how would you rank those three? Rojas, Stott, and Edward Julian. Do you think Julian's sixth round for the Twins? Ooh, well, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think with like maybe Farmer down, that might be like one more reason why they could mm -hmm. keep him, uh, keep him around. Um, I just don't. I don't think it's going to be crazy, crazy long term. I had a little defensive miscue in this one. Uh, I love Edward Julian. I love him long term, or as he said, you can call him Eddie, as he's being, he's allowing people to call him Eddie. But I think, um, 
gosh, I got to tell you, like Rojas and Stott are really, really close to me. I'm kind of torn between the two. Uh, Stott has been stinging the ball, and he's actually got more stolen bases than Rojas. The thing I like about Rojas right now is he is like their predominant leadoff hitter with the Diamondbacks, and that offense is just moving. So I probably would uh, Homer Rojas, Stott in the tier, and then Julian is behind it. I'm just I'll, not crazy aggressive. I'll defend you from the the Homer calls because like I. I don't see much in Bryson Stott right now at all. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you throw dice and you, uh, we, I, we tried to do a craps and I tried to do a craps analogy a couple of weeks ago. I couldn't remember what it was, but sometimes you throw the dice and good things happen a bunch of times in a row. And it's statistically unlikely and isn't likely to continue happening moving forward. Bryson Stott's just kind of racking up like, a huge babbit right now and he's not really doing anything else. He's 23rd percentile on average exit velocity. He's 40th percentile on hard hit rate. He is tied for last place in the majors with the three of us in barrels with zero. I think like you're hoping for an empty batting average and look at shortstop, that might be the best you can hope for right now. With how many injuries we've had, an empty batting average and some steals might be the best you can hope for. I think he's probably like a, a poor man's Nico Horner. Is he under Julian for you? No. I honestly, I think I'd rather just take an, a shot on the upside with Julian unless I absolutely need someone to start right now. You know, one thing I get weird about with, pro, and obviously I'm like a prospect guy, is when a prospect comes up in a replacement because of injury thing, I feel like I give them a little bit less credit than them coming up on their own merits. Like when they come up and it's like, okay, the guys played so well and they're going to come up and they're going to play them. That gets me excited. And I like, if that's how Taj Bradley came up and Julian, I would be a bit more excited. I'm just a bit more pessimistic right now Mm -hmm. because it's like, they're obviously their performance is a reason that they got the call up, but the only reason it happened was the injury. So like Julian and Taj Bradley, I just don't feel crazy optimistic that they're going to stick around like long-term, especially Julian with the amount of players that that team has. And Alex Kirloff and Polanco are both on a rehab assignment right now. And that's two more pieces that'll be back mm-hmm. up here shortly. No, I agree with that. Re-hurt. Yeah. I would take Stott over Julian right now. I just, the way that, you know, he's actually, he's going to play every day. He's, you know, getting some leadoff opportunities. I think the Nino, Nico Horner, like poor man's Nico Horner comp is is actually kind of fair for Stott. He looks more confident this year. That's one thing that I'll say. Like, I saw him at bat the other day against Jesus Lazardo with the bases loaded, and he had an opposite field two-run single, and it was actually pretty impressive. Like, full count, everything, so that was impressive from Bryson Stott, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much upside is there. Let's quickly talk about some starting pitchers. I had some names here written down for buy, sell, or hold. Like, what do we do with these guys right now? Blake Snell. <laughs> I was at the game at the Mets game, Mets versus Padres on Wednesday, and I mean, it was just like quintessential Blake Snell. Five innings, four runs, three earned, five walks, five strikeouts. I just don't understand. He threw his fastball seventy-two percent, and it really was not an effective pitch. He only used a slider eighteen percent. And the underlying numbers for the slider were amazing in the start. I, I just maybe he d- didn't have a feel for it, but it kind of looked like he did based on the numbers, at least. I don't know. Frank, can I ask you a question? Sure. Was it sunny at the game today? It was very sunny. Did you look up and stare at the sun for any amount of time? No, I don't think so. Uh, but I was sitting. Why in, not? I was sitting in right field. And uh, there was a point where the sun like started to hit us, and then we moved to another section. Why? Why didn't hot. you look at the sun? Uh, because it hurts. It's not good. Because you know better. Yeah. If you did look at the sun and your eyes had gotten hurt, would you have blamed the sun? Absolutely. Exactly. Are you telling <laughs> us that we need to cut out a box and put mirrors in it to watch a Blake Snell start? Is that what you're getting at? Uh, that's not a bad idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, Reflective it's, watching. It's just to say, this is just who Blake Snell is. And I, I think at some point, I, I think it's healthier to take people where they are, not where we want them to be. We want Blake Snell to be someone he's not. And that's a pitcher who is not maddeningly inconsistent. And maybe that's just, he's just always going to be maddeningly inconsistent and you just have to forget about it. You just have to not think about the fact that Blake Snell is going to have stretches where he looks like an absolute world beater and he is going to have stretches where he looks like 
bad. I, I don't know what word I was. <laughs> I was looking for a word that I, I could think of a couple words you were trying say. to yeah, reach for, I, but yeah, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't want to say them on the podcast. It's a family friendly show. Uh, and then at the end of the year, he's going to have a three three ERA and twelve strikeouts per nine in one hundred and forty innings. And that's just it's just you just got to zone out. You got to go zen. You got to just go lifeless. Go go limp on the on the Blake Snell experience. I feel like he's like the pitcher version of like what Justin Upton used to be. It is super streaky. Yeah. And like he's doing what we wanted him to do, by the way, right now. We don't want him to throw the changeup. He didn't throw a registered changeup in this. The problem is, is you can't throw your fastball 70 plus percent of the time. His most effective pitch out of that game was the slider. And it had a 75 percent whiff rate, but he threw 18 of them for 18 percent. So it's like you know, let the other pitches set that up and then let the slider be effective. It's, it's like the Dre Jamison thing. I'm screaming at the top of just throw the slider. That's your most effective that's setting everything else up. And I don't think Snell feels comfortable right now. And you're right. It's just going to take time. He's going to drive you crazy. I thought he was a buy right now. He's clearly not, but he will pick it back up. And God knows how long it's going to stick. Maybe it'll be like last year. Two bad months to start, and he'll just ball out the rest of the year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe wait until June before you buy Blake Snell. But I do think he's going to buy uh, be a buy at some point. He goes up against Absolutely. the yeah. He goes up against the Atlanta Braves next week. I, I think if you could afford to bench him there, I, I probably would. Uh, embarrassing story from this game. I, again, I was at the game. I was sitting in right field, the front row, and uh, Starling Marte is throwing balls over into the crowd. You know, after he gets done warming up, he throws one right at me. I was like in the process no. of taking a picture of him at the time because I was going to tweet it out. I was like, "Hey, Starling Marte, he's right here," and he throws the ball right at me, and I like, like fumble my phone, fumble the ball. And then I just dropped the ball. And like, I've never had that happen to me at a game before, ever before. Like, where they throw a ball right to you and it was yours to keep. And I, I wish you it. had been like I filming it. or recording it. We could have got those like reporter videos where you're like, hey, look, it's Sterling Marte, everybody. And the ball just comes right at the camera or just like a really good picture. That's a missed opportunity. I'm sorry, Frank. That's a, was, that actually will probably stick with you for quite a while that Sterling Marte wanted you to walk away from that game with something memorable. And you do. Unfortunately, it's a forgettable, just, just uh, a memory. forgettable story. Yeah. I, I was so embarrassed. I, like, I'm sure nobody else around me even cared, but I cared. And for like the next two innings, I was just like, so I'm surprised you didn't get booed. I Maybe I have a wrong perception of New York, <laughs> but I feel like you should have gotten booed for that. Guess what? We're not getting the team name Thursday today. We're just going to save it for next week. Uh, I got a few more names here. I'll just give you a name. I'll give you the name and you tell me what you're doing with them. Buy, sell, hold. Lucas Gilito, bounce back start at the Twins. Welsh, we'll throw your way. Buy, sell, or hold Gilito. I'm a buy. I'm I'm a buyer on Giolito this year. I think it's taken him a little bit longer to kind of get going. The strikeouts were there. Um, he was rattled when he hit Kyle Farmer, and I think that kind of set him back a little bit, but he was able to re-stabilize. And, you know, all the big changes he made in the offseason, they're not going to make him back to this, like, maybe you saw young type of contender, but I think it's going to make him come back to being like a good piece in the rotation. So yeah, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be a buyer on Giolito towers, Sonny gray, five shutout with five strikeouts up against the white Sox. Apparently he was battling an illness and that's why he was limited to 78 pitches buy, sell or hold. I would hold. I think you can make a better sell case than a buy case, but we've seen Sonny gray be very, very good when he's been healthy for the most part. So I, I think I don't know. I, I think his he's one of those guys that the perception is that he's not very good, so you probably won't get very much from him in trade. So I, I would just hold. I think he's going to be fine moving forward. Marcus Stroman, I'm going to take this one. He's now three for three in quality starts, and he was up against the Mariners. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts with 12 swinging strikes. Fastball and slurve up nearly one mile per hour each, and I am buying on Marcus Stroman. I know who he is, and it probably does not have crazy upside, but he is stable. And he's giving you strong innings so far. And there's not many pitchers that are doing that. And he has a much better defense behind him this year. Obviously, we hope Dansby Swanson's all right with the injury. But Nico Horner is good at second base. They got Cody Bellinger in center field now. So the defense up the middle is fantastic for someone who gets a lot of ground balls in this new like shift restriction uh, type of era that we're in in baseball. So I am buying on Marcus Stroman right now, if possible. Logan Gilbert had a strong side, uh, strong start on the other side. Six and two thirds, one run, seven strikeouts. Welsh, buy, sell, or hold? I'm going to say hold. I, I do want to say I love Logan Gilbert, and I'm I'm floating a little bit, unfortunately, closer into like a sell territory. But, you know, I'm going to say 
let's hold because he's still keeping batting averages down, um, not giving up a bunch of hard hit. It's at least in the top 50 percentile overall. Strikeouts are also up for him. Uh, last year was 22.7. Early on this year, it's up 31. And he started experimenting, I believe, with the splitter, the addition, the additional splitter. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a hold on Logan Gilbert. I think he's a really, really, really smart pitcher and needs to get his feet under him for a little bit more this season. I like to see the strikeouts uh, come up a little bit. I like to see the consistency roll a little bit more, but over and maybe see that uh, split finger go a little bit more. He's throwing at nine percent of the time with a fifty percent whiff rate. So smart guy making adjustments. K numbers are there, just maybe not quite the results. It's a hold. Towers, you get. Jack Flaherty. And I didn't plan it this way, but it just happened to work out. He was solid solid at Coors Field. Five and a third, two runs allowed, six strikeouts, only one walk, following 13 walks in his first two outings. Changed the pitch mix. He threw his slider 45% in this one. The velocity was up. What do you think? Buy, sell, hold. Uh, He's a very, very difficult pitcher to figure out. After the first two starts, I was completely out. Now I would say hold. Uh, If somebody views him as like a top 40 starting pitcher. I think it would be okay to try to sell him, but I doubt anyone is. They have access to the same podcasts and data that are all skeptical about Jack Flaherty as you do. So I would say hold if you haven't dropped him. My sense is that it's going to go poorly for him, but the the bounce back in velocity over the last two starts in particular is, is good to see. So I'll hold. Okay. Some pitching leftovers. <laughs> Look, Kevin Gosman had 11 strikeouts, and we're getting it at like the one hour mark. It's I don't think there's really. I mean, he's awesome. What are we gonna say? You know. Yeah. He he. Yeah. Look, he still gave up three runs to the Detroit Tigers, but eight innings, three runs, 11 strikeouts to zero walks, 20 swinging strikes. He was fantastic. Uh, the velocity was way up compared to his first couple of starts. So if you were worried about that, don't be. Jose Arquiti, solid at the Pirates, six shutout with two strikeouts. Though he did have 15 swinging strikes, and he's completely changed his pitch mix this year, uh, moving away from the four-seam fastball, throwing his secondaries more. So maybe it will lead to more swings and misses, more strikeouts for uh, Jose Urquidy. Zach Wheeler turned in his first quality start of the season up against the Marlins. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts there, 15 swinging strikes, and his velocity on all of his pitches up nearly one mile per hour. Good news for Zach Wheeler. Hitting leftovers, of course. The Welsh is on, and Corbin Carroll hits a homer. Love it. Doesn't walk. Never going to walk. Never <laughs> going to walk, ever. It's never going to happen. Uh, but he did crush a homer, which was nice to see. I was telling you guys off air, there is a clear book out on him. Pitchers are attacking him up in the zone. He is struggling getting at that. He's kind of getting hyper-aggressive as well, I think, trying to fix that. He's a good enough hitter that I think he will, but there's still some big old warts in his game, yet at the same time, this rookie has three homers and five stolen bases, so it's going pretty well still. 400 feet to the opposite field, too. It's pretty impressive stuff for Corbin Carroll. Wander Franco, another big game, three for five with a triple-double. Two runs, two RBI, added his third steal of the season in that game. Bobby Witt Jr. running wild in Texas. He went three for five with three steals in that game. Good to see it. Uh, the stars were on display at City Field as well. Juan Soto hit a 453-foot home run. Pete Alonso. 431-foot home run. Lindor also added his second homer. Brandon Nimmo, three for five with five hard-hit balls. Five balls over 95 exit velocity. Pretty impressive stuff for Brandon Nimmo. One mention one other player? Yep. Uh, we didn't get to him in the outfielders' waivers, but Alec Thomas is doing some really interesting stuff in the early going. Uh, had four hard-hit balls today, including two over 105 miles per hour. Uh, his average eggs velocity, max eggs of ELO, hard hit rate, ex-WOBA are all solidly above average. So there are some interesting things going on here with Alec Thomas that have not necessarily shown up in the production yet, but he's someone that I have stashed on my bench in a few leagues and uh, would not surprise me if we got a little Alec Thomas breakout in the coming days. All right, the call to the bullpen, some updates here. For the Mets, David Robertson entered in the seventh inning in likely the biggest spot in the game. Two-run lead, two runners on. Juan Soto coming to the plate. Robertson got out of that. He pitched the eighth. Adam Adovino got the ninth inning and picked up his first save. Kind of looks like they're just going to use Robertson in the biggest spot, and you know sometimes that won't be the ninth inning. So uh, 
Obviously, you want to roster him, but keep that in mind. For the Twins, Jorge Lopez pitched the seventh with a one-run lead, facing the bottom of the White Sox lineup. Yoan Duran got the ninth, and with a three-run lead, he gave up a run but picked up his third save. For the Diamondbacks, Andrew Chafin entered in the seventh with a four-run lead. The bases loaded. He gave up a two-run single to Christian Yelich. Miguel Castro pitched the eighth. Scott McGuff, who spent an entire night on the paternity leave, like... Why did they even do that? <laughs> he was gone for one night, and then he he pitched. He's old-fashioned, Frank. He's yeah. old-fashioned. He's like, let's get back to it. He pitched the ninth with a four-run lead. Well, it's two things here. Obviously, you're you're a Diamondbacks guy. What what is your feel for the D-backs bullpen? And I mean, look, Andrew Chafin. If anyone in the history of baseball has ever looked like a closer, it's yeah. that guy. No, it's him. Well, <laughs> also, in this, he made a, an awesome, awesome glove side catch off of Yelich uh, to take away probably a hit. They put him in a huge high leverage situation. He's their guy. He he is their guy right now. They're going to go there. Joe Mantiply is also rehabbing right now. He was an all-star, <laughs> all-star last year. Uh, that's one of the better pieces I thought he could go into the bullpen. But I actually think that Mantiply could play maybe more of the high leverage situation and Chafin become a true number, uh, a true closer at the end on the ninth, which I'm a little bit shocked about. I really didn't think they would go that way. I thought it would be Ginkle. Uh, they tried it with McGuff. He blew that, but it is Andrew Chafin right now. Just watch Joe Mana play when he comes back and see what happens. All right, for the Marlins, AJ Puck pitched the ninth and the tenth innings and picked up the win in that one. For the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell entered the top of the tenth with that runner on second and gave up an RBI single. For the Angels, Carlos Estevez was unavailable. Jose Quijada picked up his second save. And if you play in, you know, 15-team Roto Leagues and just super desperate for saves, I, I think Quijada's a name. He's only 3%. Is that says ever available, by the way? Like, every time I do this show with you guys, I ah, wasn't available. Like, he's never available. I don't feel like he's ever out there. I yeah. don't know. Does he exist? Carlos Estevez? I think he got yeah. his first save either yesterday or two days before, mm-hmm. two days ago, mm-hmm. so... I didn't see it, so I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> For the Tigers, what a mess. Alex Lang got the eighth inning. He looked dominant, and they brought in Trey Winginter, with a two-run lead in the ninth, he loaded the bases with no outs. He was relieved by Jason Shreve, who then blew the game. For the Braves, A.J. Minter pitched a clean ninth, picked up his second save. Uh, I think he's still the guy while Rysel Iglesias is out, but let's watch Nick Anderson. The regulars, Emmanuel Class A, got the ninth with the game tied. He gave up an unearned run, took the loss. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes walked the bases loaded in a one-run game, but picked up his fourth save. For the Cardinals, Ryan Helsey struck out two for his third is that back-to-back days? Because if it is, I'm, they might be lying already about that whole I like back-to-back, think that's back-to-back thing. days. Yeah, it feels like it is back-to-back days. So, why did you lie to us, Cardinals? I don't understand. For Tampa Bay, Pete Fairbanks gave up a hit, but picked up his second save as well. Streamers for the next couple days: Thursday, Cole Irvin versus the Oakland A's. Yay or nay? Mm, maybe. I, I think it's fine. Revenge game, baby. Let's do it. Corey Kluber at the Rays. No, no. Revenge game. Don't do it. Bailey faulted her at the Reds. I wouldn't. Nope. Johnny Brito versus the Twins. Uh, no. I, I might. I actually might if I'm playing upside. Nick Martinez versus the Brewers. No. All right. And then we get to Friday. And I didn't write this down, so I'm just going to scroll through the games here. Let's see. Uh, Marco Gonzalez up against the Rockies. Their first game away from Coors Field. Eh? I can see it being good, but I, Marco Gonzalez isn't. So I I can't in good conscience tell you to, but course field hangover, soft tosser, finesse pitcher, I could see it being bad for them. Mm-hmm. Pass. Uh, how about Justin Steele, who is a popular ad right now at the Dodgers? Tough matchup. I would I would hope to avoid it against the Dodgers. I might. Dodgers also a little swing and missy right now. So Steele, maybe, maybe a get right Steele game. I could I could do it, but there's risk. Michael Walker coming off a 10-strikeout game going up against the Brewers. Yes. I probably wouldn't. Johan Oviedo at the Cardinals. No. No. Uh, who else do we have? Clevenger versus the Orioles. Uh, no. That's in Chicago. I'd, I'd avoid it. Uh, Tyler Wells on the other side at the White Sox. Nah. Nope. Tanner Houck versus the Angels. No. Pass. Anybody else here? Taiwan Walker. Oh, love that guy. At the Reds. That's probably more interesting than most of the ones you mentioned. Yeah, I, I could do it. I don't know if Trevor Rogers is rostered enough, but he's going up against the D-backs. What do you think? 
Nope. I yeah, not the way he's pitched so far. All right. Well, not many streamers the next couple of days. We tried. We're gonna wrap there for Towers and the Welsh. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. Thank you.